Welcome to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. If you have any questions about mortgages or real estate, give us a call at 521-TALK. That's 521-8255 or text 580-580. With Frank Napolitano and Paul Rushforth, here is Steve Gregory. So romantic, just Paul and I in the studio. It's kind of nice, eh, not having Frankie here. It's kind of, it's kind of nice. I mean, I save money on breakfast, obviously, with Frank not being here, and we don't have to listen to him. It's nice. Oh, oh. we have to listen to him. Oh, that's right, we oh. do. I forgot he's here. Darn. Hi, Frank. Paul, you don't save money on breakfast, Paul. You don't save money on breakfast because you're buying yourself breakfast. <laughs> he bought me a coffee, though, Frank. Wow. That's what two in a row. So wow. Frank, you're you're once again in the parking lot, uh, neglecting your job here and uh, waiting for the Sens game. Is that what you're doing again? I am, and actually, I was going to come in based on the fact that you made it to the game on time last week. Until I saw that they were closing the Queensway. Yeah, and once they closed the Queensway, yeah, that was a no go. So last week it wasn't terrible, Frank. Like I think I was the hardest. The the, the worst part was when we, we got yeah, off the the, getting off the Queensway was the worst part, trying to get into our parking. But I was sitting in yep. my seats. I left at 12. I was sitting in my seats by 12.45. So not bad. Not, good. not bad. Today, That's today, not though, bad. today, I'm not going to the game. It's I was not going to brave it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with the Queensway close, it's a mess down there. So Yeah. Does yeah. that mean it's tougher to show homes today, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's tougher to do everything. I mean, even even Greg, our photographer, who's always here at the show, I told him not to come in, and and he's made a pretty hard uh, hard rule that he won't go east to do photos right now. Uh, it's just too long. I mean, uh, we had a um, my, my girlfriend's good friend uh, Krista, who's actually listening to the show today. Um, she drives her son to Barhaven every morning from Orleans, and she was three hours there and back yesterday. Wow, in traffic! So it's horrible, eh? Yeah, like I had a client that was supposed to be there at one o'clock, and they got to my office at two o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, when you do it, when you are able to get on the Queensway, I'm noticing a lot of cranes now. Boy, there's a lot of building going on. There is a lot of building going on. I mean, we a lot of builders for for a while stopped building the high rise condominiums. Not stopped, but slowed down because back in 2017, I think it was, we had a glut, a glut of condos on the market, and there was a lot of. Oh, they per- took a big dive, didn't they? They did take a took a huge dive. Well, the people that took a huge dive is the people that owned them, right? The people that bought them years ago and then they were built, but. There was a lot of applications into the city to get permits to start these buildings, and a lot of them put them on hold. Uh, so now we're starting to see that that ramp up. I mean, it's it even go through Toronto right now. The cranes in the sky are incredible. Like there's there's more more cranes in Toronto than there is anywhere in the world. Like so so there's a lot of cranes. There's a lot of building going on. They're trying to do a lot of high density building to try. I mean, we got a lot of people coming to Canada. A lot of people coming to Ottawa. They got to be somewhere, and we don't have. All the land, you know, so we have to build up. So there's a lot of cranes in the sky right now. Yeah, housing starts were up 18% in September compared to August, and most of that was dense, yeah. high-dense high buildings. High-dense high buildings, but let's hope, let's hope that they still cut some of that red tape because like I talked about over the last few shows, there is still a lot of red tape to get shovels in the ground. Uh, I know they've eased some of the restrictions, but it's still, I mean, I'm, I'm working with uh, someone right now who's bought a lot and they're trying to get these lots severed. And usually to get these lots severed takes, you know, X amount of time. It's been a long, long, long time, and they're still not severed. I thought so. they were supposed to fix all this. Well, I think they thought they were fixing all this, but what they did is they just put a Band-Aid on it, and they didn't really fix the problem. And you know, the problem is 
if we have 500,000 immigrants coming to Canada every single year, and yes, a majority are going to be going to the Torontos and the Vancouver's and, you know. But not forever. They're going to have to go somewhere else. They're going to have to go somewhere else. So, I mean, we do get it. I don't know the exact number, but I'd say we get tens of thousands of immigrants coming to Ottawa uh, every single year. Well, where are they going to live? I mean, yes, our inventory is starting to pick up, but we're, we don't have a lot of inventory. And, and, you know, once we start lowering those rates and, you know, it's going to be a lot of demand on, on, on very little supply with a lot of immigrants coming into town. When are those rates going to be lowered, Frank? Come on, buddy. Well, <laughs> well, you know, we saw the CPI report come out this week. Inflation, inflation's down to 3.8. Uh, the majority of it is shelter. Now, again, it's kind of interesting to note the fact that Shelter costs are up because interest rates have gone up, and inflation is at 3.8 because shelter costs have gone up, which have been driven by the Bank of Canada raising interest rates. So if you take Stripe away shelter costs, inflation's actually close to 2%. So we're actually at our target, which means that on Wednesday when Bank of Canada makes an announcement, there's virtually a slim chance of any change whatsoever. I think they're going to hold... They're going to go back into their holding pattern, and I suspect that we'll see the holding pattern. I was at our National Mortgage Conference uh, uh, earlier this week, and Benjamin Tal, who's the chief economist for CIBC, uh, came out and said, listen, inflation's kind of false right now. It's a false number because of shelter, because of stuff that the government has created. So the government has created this inflation. It's no longer supply and demand. It's no longer all the other factors that were a part of it a year and a half ago, two years ago. Now it's all self-driven. So, What about gas and food, though, Frank? Well, gas, you'll see that you'll see the inflation number come down again because, again, they're doing year over year, and a year ago the oil prices were higher than they are today. So I think when we see the next CPI report come out in, in November, we'll see it go from 3.8 to 3.5, 3.4, and, again, the majority of it is going to be shelter still again. So And, and Curtis. And curbing government spending is a big one there, and too. And curbing government spending. So, yeah. so we're there. As far as Benjamin Tao is concerned, we're there. He strongly believes Bank of Canada is going to be in a holding pattern for the next six months, and then we're going to start to see some drops, and he thinks the drops could be very significant in the second half of next year. As in 50 basis as points in, at a time? As in 50 basis points at a time. He thinks the prime rate right now is at 5 the Bank of Canada prime rate is at five. He thinks it's going to be at three percent as early as the end of next year. That's great news, and, and he's he's a smart. He, we've had him on the show before, right, Benjamin. We have, yeah. We have. He's yeah. he's he's usually pretty spot on. He knows what he's talking about. So that's that's good news. Um, so he figures six months before they start coming down. Uh, he figures by uh, early to late spring, we're going to start to see drops. The other thing that he said, it's very interesting. He said technically. We're in a recession right now. The only reason we don't see the recession or the numbers don't show it is because we've had 1.2 million Canadians come to Canada. We've admitted another 1.2 million people, so we've grown by 1.2 million. Otherwise, you stripe away that 1.2 million, and we're actually in a recession right now, which he's not wrong. So Because it feels like we're in a recession. So if he's right about six months, Paul, is that going to be enough? holding for six months to do anything for the real estate market or no. do things have to start coming no. down? No. You know, the last time we held and just before we went up twice, there was a lot of optimism in the market and it was starting to change. You know, we saw the start of this year started to become a little bit robust. Our January is really tough, but then we really picked it up in Feb, March, April, and then they started raising rates again and just, you know, the, the pin popped. So even if they hold this time, 
I still think the optimism is going to be very low, which is a shame. We do need a price drop. We need to, we need to, or rate drop, sorry. We need to see those rates come down in order to, to, you know, to spark some optimism in this market. Cause I think, I think people are just burned out, to be honest with you. They're, they're burned out of the cost. They're burned out of the, the, the cost of their mortgage, the cost of food, gas, everything. They're burned out. And there's a lot of people that have taken themselves out of the market, put themselves on the sidelines. There's a lot of people that were about to sell or wanted to sell, move up, move down, are not doing it right now. They're just holding tight. So it's, it's, it's put a big damper on this market, and I think holding will not spur up this market. I think we're going to be pretty flat. I mean, I know you, we mentioned the break. You know, there's a uh, – I think it was – I don't want to say who did it, but there was a company that came out and said that they expect uh, the second half – or sorry, third quarter. the third quarter and fourth quarter, the, the market, the average sale price to go up 7%, and that is – Oh, Royal Page. Yeah, okay, I, they, yeah, I don't, I just don't, don't I know, but I don't no, talk. But, yeah, so that's, 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 yeah, that's the report for sure. That's the report, yeah. and it's seven percent. And there's others that have come out and said two percent, four percent, five percent. And the truth is, that's not going to happen. It's not happening. I mean, we've seen the last three months we've been flat, and, and I think we're going to continue to be flat. We potentially might come down a tiny bit as well. It's, it's hard to tell what's going to happen, but unless we can get some optimism in this market, unless we can get some of these rates down, it is what it is. We are where we are. Yeah, and we've only got two more months to go. Yeah, well, that's it. The end of the year. Yeah, we're we are almost at the end of the year now. But you know, maybe in the new year we it might be a little bit more optimistic. I mean, spring market usually you know spurs the, the, the market on. Uh, usually tells what's going to happen in the market. So if we can have a strong spring, we could have a strong good year next year. Well, if we could get a drop in February, wouldn't that be outstanding? That would be unbelievable. That would that would turn the market around, uh, get people back into the market, get people selling again, get people buying again. Uh, because right now it's um, now I'm not going to say it's completely dead because we're still selling lots of homes, but it's just not the same. It's just not the same as where we were. Problem is, once first time home buyers decide to put things on pause, they stop even following because it's out of their mind. Right? Uh, totally, totally out of their mind, and that's what's really happened is our first time home buyers, which is usually about thirty to thirty five percent of our market, is just dried right up. And when you dry up that market, now you dry up the move up buyers and the move down buyers, and it just dries up the market. So until we can get some rates down, until we can get some first time home buyers back in the market, we are going to be in a flat market. You got a special guest coming up, Paul? We do on after the after spe- the I like special guests. Yes, not just a guest, a special guest. Yeah, after the break, we have David Leith coming on Farber Robillard and Leith. He's a partner there, a real estate lawyer extraordinaire. Uh, and I asked him to come on because. We're dealing right now with a lot of elderly where, where parents, um, um, you know, they're, they're starting to, we have, they have to make decisions what to do with their house, whether kids should be on title, not on title. So I thought it would be a great topic uh, just to bring David on and just talk about some of the things that they should be doing, some of the pitfalls, some of the things that you need to watch out for. 521-TALK, 521-8255. We'll be right back. We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. Back with Paul Rushforth and Frank Napolitano and a special guest, Mr. Rushforth. Yes, yes. We have, uh, like I mentioned, David Leith. He's a partner at Farber Roblard Leith, a great real estate lawyer. And so I thought I'd bring him on. So welcome, David. Thank you very much, Paul. Appreciate you having me on the the show. Just a few... 
Just fewer fewer deals these days, David. <laughs> uh, it's, you definitely feel uh, a difference in the in the in the volume of of transactions, but uh, we're managing okay. And like you said, hopefully the spring market picks up for next year. Exactly. So I wanted to bring David on because you know I have aging parents. People, you know, they're, they're, we have an aging population, and and no one really knows what the smartest thing to do. Do I do I, for example, in my situation, do I put myself on my parents' property? Uh, on title, do I not? Uh, what's the best ways to protect your, you know, your parents' assets? What's the smartest ways to do it? Uh, or, or for your parents to protect. Ex- absolutely, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. For your parents, because the last thing they want is to realize I've paid tons of money in taxes because we weren't set up properly, right? So, David, can you just shed a little light on what you think we should be doing and what, what people should be doing? Sure, it's a, it's a fantastic question uh, to ask, uh, but I think the. Step one is always, I think, for the parent to take a, a, a step back and take a look at their entire financial plan. Do they have a will? If they do, is it up to date? Because that's always a, a, a very good starting point. Um, they should be looking and talking to their accountant. They should be talking to their financial advisor. They should be talking to their lawyer. But at the same time, they should also be talking to their children. And I think that... Um, every situation is different. Um, every aging parent situation factually is different, and certainly uh, their children's uh, situation is different. And why are they wanting to do this? Everybody has this fear, or they're they're worried, or they they just have this uh, desire not to have to pay probate tax or probate fees. But that's only one part of the potential taxation when somebody does add somebody to title or doesn't add somebody to title. There could be capital gains issues, things like that. So uh, I think it's a, an important thing for people to think about, but I think they have to look at it in the, in the totality of their entire plan. So, David, let's say that, um, you know, I'll just, like I said, use my situation again. Let's say I was to put myself on my, on my parents' title. Yep. Um, once something happens to my parents and I go to sell the property, I'm going to have capital gains on that, aren't I? You will, definitely. But here's the other thing. In your situation, I don't know your, you may have brothers and sisters. You also own a business, right? So there are other issues that uh, are present in your situation. If your parents put just you on title, let me put Paul on title. He knows, he knows real estate. Uh, he lives in the city. Uh, his brother lives in Vancouver and his sister's in Edmonton. I'll just put Paul on title. So why are they doing that? They're going to put Paul on title to be on title as a joint tenant so that when the parent passes away, there's a right of survivorship, you reduce probate fees. But now you've created a tax issue for Paul. You also have a situation where Paul may have set up his financial plan such that he's avoiding creditors, right? Now you've just maybe potentially affected that. Um, what if Paul's a first-time home buyer? Now you put the son or the daughter who's a first-time home buyer on the title all to avoid the 1.5% probate tax, and now you've when they go out to buy a house and they, they find out, wait a second, I'm not a first-time buyer anymore. I don't have access to any of the first-time buyer programs that are available, that were available to me. I don't see any advantage going on title from what you're saying. No, I don't either. Uh, you know, there are some of these situations. In fact, it's very timely. I received an email from uh, a person this week uh, about a situation. Uh, they were looking for my advice or, or, or what could have been done. They had a parent or a sister or a sibling who was who was passing away. She was, she was passing away. 
and, and they had, she had a will, they had one beneficiary, so the theory was, well, let's get the beneficiary on title, it was her son, and for whatever reason, uh, the transfer wasn't uh, done before registration, and now she passes away, and now you will have to go through pro- probate and pay, and pay tax. So there are those circumstances where it may be a, a really good idea, depending on the circumstances, but at the same time, Every situation is factually different, and, and the thing is, everybody thinks this probate tax is a huge amount of money. It's one and a half percent. It is a lot of money, but sometimes people look at it and they they do the math and they spell it out, saying, "Well, it really works out to two thousand dollars per child." And sometimes people spend a thousand, a couple thousand bucks on accountants and and lawyers, etc., and to do all this work to save maybe a thousand dollars in probate. In probate fees. Yeah, hardly worth it. Can I ask you a question while we have you here? Sure. Ontario's now thinking sure. of uh, bringing in new rules to make it more difficult to put a lien on a house. That would be fantastic. If you're talking about the uh, notices of security interest, that would be fantastic. That's exactly what I'm talking about. That, that would be, uh, this is a big issue that we see, and maybe even uh, Paul would see at the outset of these transactions when they're trying to list a property. Uh, I've seen properties and titles to people's properties where they have eight of these there was one for the water uh, purifier. They, they, they won. There was one that was put on for lights that these, this company were to put in. It's a very big problem because people don't know that their titles are being uh, leaned, and they don't realize how much money it's going to take to pay these lien holders out. And that's where it gets crazy. Uh, yeah, some of these a, rentals, like you, you got to pay seventeen grand to get out of a furnace rental. I, I saw one, I was doing a refinance for a couple that were sep- separating, and there were three or four on the title, and uh, they ne- quote-unquote negotiated it down with the lien holder. I think it ended up costing uh, $27,000. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen some big ones too. It's, Why is yeah. it so easy to put a lien on a home? It's uh, quote-unquote easy to put a lien on the home because you don't necessarily need to, per- the lien holder, these, um, you know, these companies don't necessarily need to uh, provide notice to the owner, right? Yeah, that's what uh, I'm saying. Like, why do they not have to provide notice? It's a very good question for your local government and for the provincial government as to why this happens. It's a very unregulated industry, and typically these companies are, you know, um, not necessarily, uh, they, 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 they work out of the gray, so to speak, and they just, that's how they get their money, and that's how they get this substantial amount from people, and they're very... Uh, uh, very aggressive. But if you need a letter from landlords three months ahead telling you your rent yeah. is going up, yeah. why would you not at least need a letter saying, we will be putting a lien on your house unless? Well, I think it's, it goes before that. When these people are signing these rental contracts, nobody is, uh, the salespeople who are doing this are not pointing people out to the fact that there could very well be a lien put on the property, nor are they pointing out to them saying, hey, here is the schedule that if you uh, decide to pay us out two years from now or three years from now, here's how much money is going to be, um, you know, is going to be paying to pay this to pay this uh, air conditioner out. Do you want to sign this contract? Right. That's mm-hmm. what's not. That's what's not happening. And most so, people are surprised that they have a lien on the house. They don't know until they go to sell. Right. Hundred percent. I had a lien one time on my office. I went to renew my mortgage, and they're like, you yeah. know, you have a lien on your office. I'm like, for what? Yeah, it was for paving, and I said, "Well, I'm having a dispute with the paving company because they screwed up my paving, but I didn't know I had a lien yeah, on." And they could just yeah. slap it on. They yeah. just that, slapped yeah. slapped on the lien. I had no idea. In That's 2022, the there were 38,000. Yeah. Wow. Well, listen, David, I really want to thank you for doing this. I, I 
David sent me an email. We talked about this about a week ago. He sent me an email. I think it was Thursday, and I totally forgot to get back to him. So <laughs> I, I called him about two minutes before coming on air, and I said, "Are you? Can you do it?" And he did it. So, David, once again, thank you so much. And how how can uh, how can people get a hold of you? They can get a hold of me. They can call my office at six one three seven two two nine four one eight or email me at info at frl-law.com. It would be my pleasure to answer any questions. And once again, it's Farber, Robillard, and Leith is the firm if you're looking to Google anything. And anything you want to know about the Sens parking lot, Frank's been sitting there. (laughs) (laughs) It's filling up. (laughs) Thanks again, David. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Anytime. 521-TALK, 521-8255. We'll be right back. We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. Welcome back to the show. Paul Rushworth here, Frank Napolitano here. He's he's actually sitting in a parking lot. Here in spirit. Here in spirit. Right, yes. Frank? I am here. And you know what? I want to talk about something that happened to one of my agents this week, if I could. Sure. Yeah. An incident where one of our customers, we were able to get them a significantly better rate for a purchase. They had an existing mortgage with one of the major banks, and the major bank individual uh, shows their ignorance and arrogance with an email that they sent to the client. And to quote, non-bank lenders typically charge non-refundable appraisals, which so do the banks, so I don't know why he would put that in there, application and commitment fees, which is false, as well as they have additional restrictions built into their mortgages, which... It's kind of funny coming from a bank who are the ones that are the ones who put the most restrictions on their mortgages. But uh, again, this the arrogance of this individual, once again, find out the lender and let me know. I would love to send a few of my personal mortgages their way for a short time that they may be in business. Wow. Oh, wow. That- I'll soon go back with you in five years to get your mortgage moved back to our bank. Like this is the arrogance that's out there. And what bothers me more is the ignorance because the client got a much better mortgage, much better prepayment privileges, no commitment fees, no application fees. If an appraisal is needed, you're paying across the board, whether it's with a bank and it's a non-refundable appraisal, last I checked, with any bank. So, uh, And the funny part about this all is that that bank that this individual works for funds the lender's mortgage that the client got so one of the funders so they're actually they may be actually using that bank's money for their mortgage and yet you've got an individual that's that's bad talking uh lenders that they have no idea anything about so i i would so be replying with an email let me circle back right now yeah 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 I would, oh, no, i'm gonna call him next week i think and and uh, get some of his personal mortgages over yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm actually surprised you bit your tongue on that one. I would have been. I would have been lighting this guy up, nope. or girl, whoever it was. Yeah. Yeah, it's just you know, it's just disappointing because it's false information. You know, and we pride ourselves on giving information. Listen, I've been on both sides. Uh, I worked for a major bank. I was a road rep for a major bank, and I got to be honest. I can. I can kind of relate to where this individual is, except for I never, ever would put something like this in email if I didn't know the true answers to it. And as as I've now been a broker for the last 18 years, I can tell you that a lot of this information I didn't know when I was at the bank, because again, the bank brainwashes you 
into thinking that they're the best product that's out there. But you learn as a mortgage broker that there's so many good lenders out there that are significantly better than the big banks. And think about the heart of these banks. Every single bank has announced major layoffs upcoming. Scotiabank did it this week. 3% of their workforce, they're laying off. Here's a bank that their profit this year will be in the range of $10 billion, and they're laying off 3% of their workforce. So It's hard to live off $10 billion, though, Frank. Come yeah, on. Let's, 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 $10 billion doesn't go as far as it Yeah, no, it doesn't go as I far guess. as it used to with gas and groceries the way it is. <laughs> I guess. But this misinformation really bothers me because, again, the client was able to get a significantly better mortgage rate. And yet you've got somebody at the bank that's bashing the lender that they know nothing about. You know what, Frank, but that someone like that is just coming from a position of scarcity, right? They're just position of scarcity. And they but ignorance it. though, Paul, because number one, you're putting it in writing. And yeah. number two, you are dead wrong. If you're going to put it in writing, get your information L- right. Listen, we, we uh, Frank and I had a discussion about one of this. There, there's, I'm not going to mention names or any yeah. of that, but listen there's some that are actually out there that are taking money from the bank because, you know, mortgage brokers get paid from the bank and charging a fee, like a retainer fee, you know? So that's why there's a reason, Frank, you guys have been in business so long and have been number one for so long. It's you do the right thing, right? And you're not coming from a position of scarcity. You're coming from a position of abundance. So with us, Frank? Correct. Okay. Hey, listen, uh, what, what are your thoughts on the Aussie report saying that you can now transfer your mortgage if it's insured and not have to requalify? Well, that, that opened a lot of eyes, to be honest with you, because we really didn't see that one ever being part of the B20 regulations that they put out. And all of a sudden, they highlighted for us. So all of a sudden, we've got all these banks and lenders that are relooking and checking with the default insurers and verifying that in case that that that's the case that they no longer have to qualify on the stress test if they've got an insured mortgage. So this was news to all of us, and I suspect over the next week or two, we're going to hear from a number of lenders that are going to tell us, "Hey, if you've got default insured mortgages and they want to switch over, send them over. We won't stress test them anymore because we don't have to." Although the lenders have the option, right, of doing the stress. The lenders test. have the option, but. Like like Osby said, they're already default insured. So the really the risk is on the default insurer, and it's up to the default insurer to to notify the lender to say, hey, the default insurance stands, so you don't have to stress test them. So as long as it's not increased or the amortization doesn't change, right? Correct. You've got to keep the mortgage exactly the way it was at the outset. That means that it's that it's already been default insured, and the default insurance continues. So that's anyone about a property with less than 20% down. That's a default insured mortgage. So has this been on the books the whole time and we didn't know? Uh, has this, well, um, yes. Uh, OSPI, so the B20 regulations never highlighted the fact that if a mortgage is default insured, it doesn't. So what they told us is that before the stress test was introduced, which was in 2016, 2017, if, if a mortgage was default insured back then, they don't have to stress test. What they've never indicated to us is post the stress test, if it's default insured, that that they didn't have to qualify based on the stress test. So this is new new information for us that, again, everybody's kind of taking in right now, including the lenders and the default insurers. And like I said, I suspect in the next seven to 10 days, we're going to get some additional information and hopefully, fingers crossed, and it sounds like it, 
we're going to be able to go to our customers that have default insured mortgages and say, you don't worry about it. You don't have to qualify based on the stress test to switch from one lender to another. Hey, uh, Frank, you talk about the stress test coming in 2016, 2017. What was the reason for that? I mean, the, the only reason for a stress test would be because you think the market's going to tank. Am I correct? Uh, I think that was well, around the time the economy went south in the States. Okay. No, that was 2008, 2009, and things were really heating up in 2016, 2017. Uh, so I think they did it to protect the housing structure itself. So they wanted to make sure that if people were getting in at uh, interest rates of 3% for five years, that they were protected should rates go to 5 or 6%. So they introduced that stress test, which has a, a mortgage qualifying rate, which we haven't used in the last 12 months because it's 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 lower than, by the way, December 12th, uh, the bank of, uh, or, or the OSFI is coming out with the new qualifying rate and whether they're going to change it or not. So that's going to be an interesting, because right now you have to qualify at two percentage points above your contract rate. So we're hoping that there's a change to that as well, since interest rates, we think, have probably peaked. Yeah, um, which means right now, if you want to qualify for a variable rate, you're almost at 8%. Yeah, you're in the eights to qualify for a variable rate mortgage right now. And we wonder why our first-time homebuyers can't get into the market, right? 100%. 100% that's the reason <clears throat> behind it. And I've been saying this, I've been saying this since we've been on the radio, that our first-time homebuyer segment is probably our most important segment because yeah. it's, it, 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 it keeps the wheels turning on the market. Like I mentioned earlier, if, if we don't have any first-time homebuyers, you can't sell the townhomes, you can't sell the terrace homes, nobody's buying them because we have no first-time homebuyers. And when we have rates where we are right now, that's the segment of the market that's that's hurting the most. When I do my homework for the show and I'm researching, you know, what's on the market, how many homes are on the market in certain areas, the townhouse market's the one getting hit the hardest, and the and the and the, and the, and the even the condo market's getting hit a little bit harder now. Terrace home market's getting hit because we just don't have anyone buying that product, which is a shame. Well, and you're right, and it's first time home buyers and investors. <clears throat> oh yeah, so, investors so are dead. The, yeah, the investors to that too, and all of a sudden you're probably close to fifty percent of the market. Yeah, it's dried up. I had I, I don't know if I told you guys this last week. I had someone email into my office asking me when I'm going to hold my next investment seminar. <laughs> and I said I said not in this market. I mean, 2040. I, well, I I wouldn't be doing my job if I was saying buy this property. It's a great property for you to buy. Now, if you are we talked about this a couple of weeks ago too. If you're someone you maybe you're aging and you know you're eventually going to get to a condo or you're eventually going to get to this townhome and you want to buy it now. Uh, you know, while the rate, while the uh, prices are still, you know, pretty good, uh, you know, that's, that's a different story. But if you're buying it and you know, you're expecting cash flow, <laughs> good luck. There's not much out there that is cash flowing positive right now with the way the rates are. So Frank, the next group of people you have to fight for are the non-insured mortgages. Well, the non-insured mortgages at least have 30-year amortizations, which we're hoping comes back for first-time home buyers mm-hmm. because we really believe the first-time home buyers should have access to a 30-year mortgage where interest rates are right now. But I mean in order uh, to transfer their mortgage without having to requalify. Yeah, we're not going to get that one through. I'll tell you, OSFI's done their research on that. And as far as they're concerned, uh, if somebody's going to refi their mortgage or it's not insured, they need to qualify based on the stress test. So the only thing we can hope for is that, is that the stress test rules at least get minimized a little bit and not as tough. And maybe that qualifying rate isn't at 2%. Maybe it goes down to 1% above the posted rate. It's always a mind shaker to me. You know, you've, you've put down more on a home. (laughs) You've got more skin in the game and you can't change your mortgage because it's not insured. 
Well, again, but, you know, there's no backing. As far as the financial institution's concerned, there's no backing because if property values were to come down tremendously, they're at risk, where on a default-insured mortgage, the lender's not at risk. No, I understand that. I just don't think it's very fair to the... Well, it doesn't sound fair. I don't disagree with you. It doesn't sound fair because you do have more skin in the game. But, you know, that's, you know, that's the way it is now. Now, with major banks, all of a sudden, they've all come out with insured rates as well. Because banks used to be, whether your mortgage was insured or non-insured, you're getting the same rate. But they've changed it recently where banks now have a better rate because they were losing so much of the insured business to, to mortgage brokers. And they still are because even their insured rates aren't as good as what mortgage brokers are able to offer. 521-TALK, 521-8255. We will be right back. We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. Welcome back to the show. What a rate set now, Frank. Hi. Uh, uh, yeah, we've seen some uh, a little bit of um, at least lowering of the bond markets the latter part of this week, which has been encouraging. Uh, again, the U.S. numbers really impact what happens with the bond markets, and the U.S. numbers are still, they're pretty robust in the U.S. still, so, uh, but... Um, again, you're you're right, Paul. They're still high. I mean, every time that I talk to somebody and their renewal is coming up, it's like, mm, I hate to tell you what the rates are at right now, but you're in the high fives, probably low sixes, somewhere around there for a five-year fix, which to me, I think the variable is the way to go now. If we really hit the peak when it comes to interest rates and rates are only uh, on their way down now, then I would say that now might be a good time to seriously consider a variable rate mortgage instead of locking in to a long-term mortgage when rates have hit the top, you know, the top end. So. You know what? You know what? My two offices, my rates are right now. My, I'm at eight point three percent. Wow, it's ugly, crazy, eh? which is yeah. probably close to what you have to qualify for for a variable now, right? Eight point three percent. Yeah, you do. Yeah, it's not fun, you know. But you know, we we're talking about before. You know, you you think Paul that rates need to come down. We saw a little bit of momentum build from January until June when they paused. You know, I think we've only had the one pause so far. I think once we get to that third and fourth pause and we hit, we're heading into the spring market and it sounds like rates are coming down, I think we'll see the activity pick up. I don't know that they've got to come down, but at least if we see, a, you know, a lengthy period of, of rate pauses with the, with the you know, prob- the probabil- probability that rates are going to come down, then I think that'll spur the market a little bit. Paul, what do you think the highest rates were in history in Canada? The highest rates in the history in Canada were, well, definitely in the 20s. So I'm going to say, I don't know, 21, 22%, probably 21. 21.75. Ah, okay. And when was that? Um, I'm going to say probably in the 80s, maybe. 81. 1981, yes. Pick a month. Yeah. August. Yes, bang on. I, I read my stats too. <laughs> Those that's, are crazy numbers, eh, Frank? I thought, I actually thought rates were higher. Like I, I've heard you know, people say, oh, back in my day, rates were 23, 24%. So the highest in history was 21.75 in August of 1981. Interesting. 
I'll tell you what stands out to me is I started working at a bank at Canada Trust in 1984. And back then, there were passbooks, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. So you actually, you knew how much money you had in your in your bank account by your passbook. There was no online. The lineups on the first of the month were enormous, and that's people just updating their passbooks. Why? Because back then, you were getting 13 14% on your savings accounts. And because you were getting 13, 14% on your savings accounts, you were getting big money. If you had five, six, ten thousand dollars in your bank account, that was good money back then to get an interest. So the was, lineup was, would be that, out the door. That was eighty four? That was eighty four. Wow, I was still in diapers. You, oh. You're gonna be in diapers <laughs> again soon. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, I was ten years old. Ten years old in eighty four. So I don't think I had a passbook. But you know what's funny is I do Remember, I, I must have got the passbook right at the tail end. I remember having a passbook for maybe six months or something like and that. Balancing a checking account. Yeah. 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 And Steve remembers the days when he put money in his bank account and there were no machines to type it. The the teller would actually handwrite Yes, I do remember transactions. that. If, wow. That's how old Steve is. I remember that. I don't ever remember being able to put money into my account, though. <laughs> <laughs> you just remember money coming out of your account? Yeah, yeah, I agree with that, too. What are people getting an interest in savings these days? Not 13%. Not bad. You know what? GICs have picked up some steam because you can get GICs now in the fours and the fives. And for, you know, for senior people that have money set aside, and, and obviously their pensions aren't going as far, at least now they're able to get GICs in the 4 or 5% range, which in theory, by the time you get taxed on it, you're probably getting 2 or 3%, but much better than two years ago where they were getting 1%. Uh, really, they were making no money on, on their investments. Where now, at least if they want a safe, secure GIC, you know, they're getting 4 to 5%, so, which isn't that bad. Okay, so to recap, Wednesday we figured the bank is going to hold. I don't think I've read one economist that said it's going to go up. No. And then we have one more, right, Frank? We have uh, beginning of December, December 6th, I believe, is the last one, which I think, again, uh, it feels like the CPI numbers, the inflation numbers that come out in November will be lower than the 3.8. The core inflation numbers should come down. Retail sales are down, right? Retail sales will be down. Christmas will be interesting. I mean, retail sales at Christmas will tell a big story. And they're forecasting people, Canadians, according to surveys they've done. Of course, take take a look at Thanksgiving. There's some people who just didn't even do the old turkey dinner because it was so expensive. There's there's going to be a lot of people that are cutting back at Christmas. They have to. Things are just too expensive right now. Birthdays, Frank? Yeah, I've got one. Actually, Francine Charbonneau, a loyal listener, sent me a message because she can get a hold of you, Steve, to say happy birthday to you. Aww. Oh, how sweet, eh? But at the same time, she mentioned that her birthday's on October 25th. So, happy birthday to Francine. Wow. And for her birthday, you're going to get her to have rates being held, right? I'm going to try. <laughs> I'm gonna, well, the Bank of Canada will, will hold for sure this week. All right. I have one birthday. Um, what are we today? Saturday. So, on Monday, uh, one of my agents, uh, Glenn Tomlinson, celebrates a birthday. He's one of the agents that came over with uh, the acquisition of Tracy Arnett Realty. So, oh, yeah. so, he has his birthday on Monday. So, happy birthday. Frank, when's your birthday? Isn't it next month? November. Eight, coming up. Is it 18th? 16th. 16th. November 16th. And I turn, and I, the age I turn is the reverse of that. So, there you go. 61. Wow. Yep. Getting close, buddy. What were you? How old were you when we started doing this show? 42, 43. Wow. 
Younger than you I are know. now, Paul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have a great yeah. week, gentlemen. Have a great week, everybody. And, and support local business and charities. Go, Sens, go.